0: For example, Uber found out from the data of its user that people would take a Uber to an address. They did not live, uh, live, for example. And a few hours later, they would leave from an address just around the corner a little bit later. And of course, all of us can know what that situation was about. So that data is available. Of course, it was anonymized. But we see issues here with privacy as well as yeah. security, yeah. which needs to be addressed.
1: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Heads Talk with me, Elaine Pringle Schwitter, the podcast where we talk to C-level executives, leaders of institutions, and heads of multinationals. What are the current topics they talk? We listen.
0: Can you imagine getting into a business or a market where you actually spend a hundred billion plus? On a piece of paper. Are you kidding me?
1: It was like a frying pan of a
0: head. I got nothing against CFX. It was not just the job of a lifetime, it was the job of a thousand lifetimes.
1: My guest today's passion has led him to be on this series of Heads Talk. We will be discussing the relationship of IT and the automobile the morphing of classic car makers to the now mobile solution partners, harnessing IOTs, cloud computing, AI, robotics, and big data, and potentially expand on smart cities and 5G solutions. Generally, I want to find out with this move to autonomous vehicles, how much of it is car and how much of it is computer? A fascinating conversation ahead today um, as part of the automotive series, but before we get into that, here is a brief message. This episode is sponsored by Axia. Axia is the leading private cloud platform in the Alessian and Matamos ecosystem, combining intelligent solutions with security and control. Axia's clients profit from digitalization and automation of critical business processes in a cloud and hybrid architecture. 150 staff provide migration, engineering, and support services to over 200 leading organizations in 32 countries.
0: Talk podcast with your host, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter.
1: Marcus Bergagard recently joined Emphasis Consulting as principal in the talent and organization practice in Zurich, where he consults and leads agile transformations for their clients. Prior to this, Marcus worked on a consultative basis for the life science organization Roche Diagnostics. In his career, he has always been in the space between business and IT with a role as project manager, predominantly in the ICT industry, with corporations like SwissCom and Sunrise but also in the financial sector, with Nomura, Man Investments, and Julius Baer. With this episode, I want to concentrate on Marcus's passion for innovative mobile solutions, mobile communications, its application and service, and all things digital. Marcus has a Bachelor of Science in Marketing and Business IT, as well as being a member of a number of prestigious organizations to include Swiss ICT and Swedish Swiss Chambers of Commerce. Please note, listeners, Marcus will be talking on his own behalf and not that of InfoSys. So let's talk to Marcus now. Welcome to stop Marcus. Many thanks for being with us today.
0: Thank you, Elaine, for having me. My pleasure.
1: Excellent. Um, okay, let's get started with this. This was a post you wrote about classic car makers becoming mobile solution partners. Interesting. Uh, what do you mean by this? And please elaborate on any findings you may have.
0: Yes, exactly. We have seen a, a disruption as well in the car market, of course, being led by Tesla, who came out with a little roadster a few years ago, over a mm-hmm. decade ago, uh, based on the Lotus Elise, where they basically built an electric car. And from that time on, you know how the classical car makers really have been Um, doing catch-up with Tesla to try and with their own ideas of how an electric car or the future of cars should be. So we see a lot of uh, things happening now in the classical car market where Mm -hmm. they are trying to um, also catch up with Tesla and making their own success stories.
1: All right, okay. Um, I mentioned this as a question in the introduction, but for my listeners, am I right in saying that cars are becoming computers and wheels and, and this is a good thing
0: yes you're right to say that that actually cars are becoming uh, computers and wheels that so we see nowadays there are over 100 different applications inside of cars different chipsets. Mm-hmm. that's incredibly uh, um, numerous in uh, today's cars and you have seen that with the problems of getting chips in the market nowadays that actually we see a, a big delay in cars being able to deliver I had a friend, for example, who wanted to order an Audi e-tron, and he has a waiting time of 14 months until he can actually have the car on his car lot. So, yes, the cars are becoming more like computers and acting like computers as well.
1: Mm. Let's continue with this conversation and, and focus or even celebrate the, the innovations here. What are you seeing with the use of IoTs within the automotive sector that excites you? Perhaps if you could give my listeners a use case mentioned in and one of your post-war cycles.
0: Yeah, so what we're seeing here, IOT basically is the internet of things, or as it used to be called machine to me, machine communications. Many of us actually remember still the vending machines having those SIM Mm -hmm. cards ordering uh, new cans of Coke when that ran out. So what we are actually seeing today is that the cars are actually driving IOT devices. And so (laughs) anything that is actually connected inside the car is connected also to the internet. And for example, connecting the car of IT to an app gives most cars also remote access. So for example, I can check the charge stage uh, status and other statistics of my electric car and mm-hmm. start and stop the charging or set the temperature over the app. Um, but what really excites me in the applications of IoT in cars is for example, the use case that Volvo did here in uh, Switzerland with a Swiss grocery store. Mm-hmm. We actually could buy your online food on the uh, internet, of course, and then have it delivered to the boot of your car in a city where your car was standing. And the deliverer basically could just call you up and you could remotely open the boot of the car and then uh, he could put it in the car and Mm -hmm. then the car would set the temperature so the milk won't spoil. So that's one of the Mm -hmm. um, applications which I thought was quite interesting. Mm
1: -hmm. That's good. And um, still with the, the post or the article that you wrote, you mentioned something i just think it would uh, it'd be great if you sort of talk to my listeners about this thing something about a sort of a demonstration between vodafone germany and sony electronics you know the vision s can you elaborate on that
0: yes for, for many it came as a surprise in um, 2020 when sony presented their vision s electric car at the time it was sony um, <laughs> sony yes exactly and um, in Las Vegas in 2020, and I thought, why an electric car? And then following years, we saw then actually updates to that vision. And soon, the 5G component also came into, into being with the car. And there was, a, there was a, a use case that Sony with the Vision S car, I think it was in 2020,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: two or one, where they connected the car over the Vodafone network with 5G. So somebody could sit in the office of Vodafone and drive the car with a standard PlayStation driving unit and control the car far away. And that was only possible because of the 5G um, network where you have high throughput of data and very low latency. So that was an interesting uh, use case to see where the car was actually driving with high speeds, of course, on a closed circuit, but it was actually controlled remotely, but there was a driver sitting at the wheel in case something would go wrong.
1: But, you know, well, this sounds sort of like wow and sci fi and great. What are the real benefits to this development?
0: I think the benefits it's that we see here with these developments is that we can have an opportunity where actually cars will start to drive by themselves. And that actually gives us more free time while we're traveling in our own cars. So, for example, you could be watching a movie or playing games on your in car PlayStation against others. Um, because we're no longer needed to watch the um, the traffic and driving uh, with the car. And so that's all possible because of the technology nowadays. And it gives us much more freedom to also travel and do things while we travel than having to watch the street.
1: Just as a curiosity, because it just came into my head. I mean, you don't have to answer it if you don't want to. Um, but do you know how insurance companies are receiving this um, this development?
0: Yeah, I think any insurer in the beginning would get probably white hair, if I may say so, just as the thought that the car is driving at 120 <clears throat> down the highway and seeing many cases of uh, security claims or, sorry, insurance claims that could happen. However, what we've seen also thanks to IoT and combining IoT and the connected car is that insurance companies now, for example, can offer really Uh, insurance policies which actually fit the driver and fit the person who is driving and their driving styles which optimizes also your insurances and that is also a possibility because all the data while you're driving is being collected and Mm -hmm. out of that you can make anonymized data and then also create a new insurance policies which actually could be much more economical than the ones that are today.
1: So you're saying the insurance company have direct access to the data being collected in these scenarios rather than have that data given to them by the the i don't know the owners of the vehicles that correct
0: that? yeah the one use case that we have and coming out of swisscom there's a there's a spin-off from swisscom called sense where you put this little dongle inside the odb which every car really has and you can put it inside and coming with this odb it is Uh, there to collect information about the car so over your app you can check your your uh, trips where you've gone your private Mm -hmm. trips your Mm -hmm. business trips you can Mm -hmm. also um, get them um, reimbursed again and what you also can do is actually have insurance policies actually tailored to your driving and to that car directly over the app uh, Mm -hmm. using that dongle
1: Hmm. But let's expand on this a bit. I'm slightly going in a slightly different direction. But if the insurance company have direct access to that data, surely other organisations, for instance, judicial systems will have access to that data if and when needed.
0: Yes, that's correct. Of course, that is possible. However, that does already happen today. I was actually just speaking with a friend of mine who's in the Zurich uh, police, and we talked about accidents and so on. And nowadays, when accidents do happen, the police do access the car um, uh, data uh, to see exactly what happened in the last few seconds or minutes of Mm -hmm. driving. So, that possibility already exists today, where the judicial services actually have the opportunity to analyze the cars because coming back to our questions from the beginning yes cars are becoming more like uh, computers on yeah. wheels and they keep um collecting a lot of data now i don't remember how many gigabytes per day they collect that's quite a few uh, amount of data that actually the car is collecting while you're driving or while it's standing all right
1: okay now and um, let's look at the opposite to that we talked about the the innovative technology and some of the things to look out for and the development so what are some of the issues you are seeing here and some of the solutions being deployed if at all or if they can deploy solutions to some of these issues
0: i think one of the issues that i'm actually seeing which are true for other applications as well um, for example issues of the aspect of increased need for security of the it systems as much as could be collected by a third party, or again, somebody, for example, could hack your car as the IoT gateway is accessing a moving car. So what we need to see also here in development, like in other applications, is to have security by design, where we have to include the development of any system uh, more than ever. But also, of course, the privacy by design, excuse me, isn't essential as much can be gleaned from the data that is being collected by the users. For example, how much you're driving, where you're driving to, how fast you're driving, the driving style and the patterns uh, that can be made out of that. For example, Uber found out from the data of its user that people would take a Uber to an address. They did not li- uh, live, for example, and a few hours later, they would leave from an address just around the corner A little bit later and of course all of us can know what that situation was about (laughs) so that data is available of course it was anonymized but we see issues here with privacy as well as security which needs to be addressed
1: Uh, okay yes i can see problems there okay you know when i did the first series last year on the automotive industry the biggest issue or problem that was mentioned was range anxiety with the battery technology and you know Episode after episode, that was talked about range anxiety. Range anxiety, a year has passed. Um, What's the new developments that have eased such range anxiety, for consumers at least?
0: I guess one of the range anxieties that actually has eased is that the batteries have become much larger and also tighter in the way that the, the chemicals inside the batteries have been mixed. So, for example, the maximum range of a Tesla is currently in the 2020 version, such as the Model S long range has having a, a 95 kilowatt battery and it's shooting a maximum range of about 650 kilometers. It's about 405 miles uh, as such on a car that you can buy today. But the next generation of cars or the next series, for example, the Lucid Air, which is seen a bit as or is actually a competitor of Tesla in the luxury market has uh, an air range already today of 837. Um, kilometers that you can actually drive and that's going to be happening and being launched in another 12 months that we will see in the market mm-hmm. but also what what is the ease of range of anxiety is also the number of charging stations that are available today in europe mm-hmm. um, so for example along the highways of germany and switzerland where most petrol stations as such has also have charging infrastructure today so but also food for uh, fast food change uh, mm-hmm. chains excuse me or shopping centers, they are providing much more charging points for customers because, after all, you're there, the car is parked. So it's a great opportunity to see the, uh, your car being charged while you're doing other errands, for example, shopping or eating or going to the cinema.
1: All right. And, and also, uh, when I spoke to um, guests last year, we, we talked about sort of futuristic stuff and new developments. Do you know where they are at the moment in the sector with self-charging batteries and wireless charging capabilities? Has that been commercialized yet or is that still kind of on the drawing board, so to speak?
0: Yes, these are future things that we're looking at, I think, as a consumer, as well as producer. Now, of course, I'm not a producer, but an electric car driver. And there have been some um, opportunities or um, at least innovation projects where you have batteries or you have cables inside the street for example so while you're driving mm. you have an induction while driving and charging the car while you're driving now that's pretty a uh, big and cumbersome way to charge your car i think but another uh, opportunity for example induction charging is that you have a, a, a plate under your car so instead of plugging in and so on you're just driving your car over that plate and that and under your car, there's an induction plate as well. So you can charge your car, but that form of charging is a bit uh, slower than others. Uh, so I don't see unless there's more technological breakthrough that that is really mm-hmm. going to take off. Otherwise that, uh, that wouldn't happen today. And then the second part that I also see is that we are seeing now solid state batteries being created so those solid-state batteries will be half as heavy and have the double range and will also um, be have a different chemical setup or actually a different setup in today's batteries, also making them less flammable and less dangerous. Mm-hmm. So the solid-state batteries is actually something that I think that will give a breakthrough in the, in the range and also in the cost of production uh, of these batteries in the future for electric cars. All
1: right, okay. All right, so, so I've told you, Um, in last year's series what was always the big big topic or the the common theme what would you say is the biggest issue today or even just this year going forward with um uh, let's just say electric vehicles since we're talking about that,
0: i think the biggest issue is the access right now to batteries and chips for example if you have not sourced it ahead of time this year is actually the time of being able to get an order for an electric car An issue like i told you about yeah. my uh, acquaintance who has to wait 40 months for their cars yeah. however they there are others that for example have done their um, um their um homework and also have much more of a timely delivery for example tesla thanks to its sourcing of batteries and having factories in berlin or texas or two of them in china they have much quicker access actually to give you the products that you need. And yesterday I was checking on the website of Tesla and I actually can order a Tesla Y and I would get it this year in November or December, or for example, the Polestar, uh, which is the electric Mm -hmm. version of the Volvo. Um, If I order it today, I will get the car in uh, December and January. So you basically see that these EV producers, which is their core business, have really their ducks aligned, having sourced Mm -hmm. enough resources for their productions. Uh, because that's the only thing that they produce. Yeah. And um, other they're companies, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But other companies which have been traditional, like the Volkswagen Group, for example, there it's much uh, harder for them as well, because they have, of course, the petrol and then electric, but they're really trying to to build up their portfolio of batteries. But there's only so much batteries to go through or go around with. And that's why we also see battery factories being created, for example, the Swedish Northvolt that Mm -hmm. you maybe have seen in the Northern Sweden that has been created there uh, to being able to supply the batteries much closer to the European producers. And one of the investors there is Volvo as well as Volkswagen. And I think they will also be building another Northvolt battery Somewhere in, in Europe, I think in Germany in Salzgitter, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. So the issue today is being having access to batteries and also the chips due to the uh, logistical situation that we have in the world right now. Oh,
1: right. Okay. Okay. That's that's interesting. Um, I read this somewhere and thought to include this in our discussion today. Um, I premise this by saying I know nothing about this other than what I've read. It, it's about Tesla's virtual power plant. Firstly. What is it? What is it all about, um, and <laughs> what real benefits do you see here?
0: Yes, I think first of all, it's a nifty marketing name, isn't it, by Tesla for its uh, battery to home to grid, where owners can make their own tesla can have their own <laughs> Tesla Powerwall or house battery yeah. uh, available for the grid uh, currently in California. So where you have your solar panels, for example, on your roof, they charge the Powerwall, and then makes that power available up to some amount of kilowatts uh, to the grid but only as much that you will still have enough power uh, for your house to be powered overnight and the duration of any outage. And uh, what it actually has, it has some intelligence as well, um, where you, you, you get a notification that there will be probably uh, a situation of um, a power outage that you will get an information saying that your power will, wall, which you have registered in the grid will be needed soon. And so then you get this message that will happen. And then when it does happen, you you actually get a message that now your um, power wall is being used. Um, But there are also other virtual power plants, if you want to call it that way. Um, And that's not only connected to your battery. So for Mm -hmm. example, what we have here is that the electric car is becoming much more of a, a movable battery, which can be used for your house. And we actually talk about so-called vehicle to the home or to the grid, so V2H or V2G or just generally V2X, uh, where we either power your house during the night or when the grid is is, uh, too exasperated where you actually are able then to use those power peaks or those batteries during the power peaks and uh, shave those peaks and um, make your car then available for the grid uh, if you logged in. so, or at night, for example, uh, for your, um, your house yourself. And, and today, the, really, the leader in that area has been the Nissan Leaf, but also Mitsubishi with the or the Outland, Pev, and also now the new one is Honda. It was actually the cars that actually allow that to be done today. The only thing that you actually also need is to have a, 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 a bi-directional charging station, so that allows to charge and discharge your car and as I said, Nissan is a pioneer in this field with its uh, zero emission initiative and allows any uh, Nissan as of 2013 to do that. Um, but if you look at uh, the European side, uh, Volkswagen again um, is also doing that and also researching that and it will allow their ID platform electric cars um, to be able to do that as well. And they actually went so far. So they, they bought a, or built an electric, a company called Electric Life or Ellie. And mm-hmm. so what they're trying to do there is to build up a portfolio of international power tariffs, wall boxes and charging stations, as well as, of course, the IT uh, management of this uh, energy um, to be able to cater for this. So I I predict that this will happen very soon and really take off, especially in Europe when some big car producers in traditional Europe and mm-hmm. a traditional European a of car producers like Volkswagen will start uh, offering this. We will see a, a big... Um, uh, take rate also to start powering your house with your car, and also seeing those uh, bi directional charging stations coming down in price because they're quite uh, expensive. No, I was
1: going to ask you when do you foresee this, but you, you sort of talked about predictions. Well, let's continue talking about predictions yeah. and let's end this episode of let Talk with this question asked to the guests in the series. So, so, when do you think um, autonomous vehicles? will be in wide use across the globe for recreational purposes can give us a year and why do you think this?
0: Um, That is of course uh, an issue also has to do with the the governments and how they are um, seeing that situation. I mean today you can already for example your Tesla if it's allowed to do that in your country you can have your Tesla self-drive itself to your office and also park itself there's some videos about that Um, and there could also be special lanes on the highway where self-driving cars could actually drive on the highway Mm -hmm. and um, i think we will just see that in the next i think in the next five years i think that the self-driving car will be a fact Um,
1: next five years
0: yeah within the next five years as
1: soon as that Okay, yes, I, um, I must so. admit, it actually petrifies me just thinking about it. But maybe I'm just old-fashioned and old IC driver. Um, but, but okay. So with, with the move to autonomous vehicles, will this bring about a sort of a different type of, I don't know, sustainability problem that we haven't even thought of?
0: Well, what you would see having self-driving cars, um, I think the sustainability will probably be that somebody wants to. And then, when you have a self-driving cars to you save yourself from parking, car parking uh, fees, and so on, you will have your car driving around the city by itself all day long and pick you up at five o'clock just because you yeah. don't want to pay for any parking. Um, but, for example, Tesla has this idea that your mm-hmm. Tesla Three, as an example, could be used as so so-called robo taxis, that you make your car available during the day, where people like an Uber service can order your car to drive the one place to the other. And then at the end of the day, he comes back to you and starts, uh, or again, uh, comes back to you and you can uh, drive home again. And uh, so while the car is driving all day long, it's making money for you while you're working in your normal work. And
1: and <laughs> well, guess... we have... Sorry, sorry to interrupt you, Marcus. Well, we have a sort of like a, 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 an air traffic control system for cars and going forward with this.
0: Yes, I think that would be possible because of the technology that we have today. Going back to our beginnings here, talking about the cars being computers on wheels and having connectivity mm-hmm. of the 5G network, you can connect these cars and being able to pull them in a, or uh, put them together uh, and also make them dependent on each other on the signal that they, direct, they communicate over the 5G network over a central place, for example. That along the highway, you will have the so-called edge computing where actually all the resources and the data crunching and so on is not happening back to the uh, telecoms headquarters, but it's happening next to the antenna where uh, your car is driving past. And I think there will be a coordination between the different cars. Uh, to say I'm coming and so on. We have that today with the visual, but I think it will also be possible with with pinpointing them with triangulation, either through the mobile signal or GPS to make them drive past each other and actually coordinate each other. So maybe in the future, we will have a situation where where traffic lights will be something that we see much less Mm. because the cars are coordinating in between um, how they're driving. A bit like you see maybe in videos of, in thailand how you see the traffic without traffic like people just be able to drive across yeah. somewhere and no it works it's all... and no accident happens and it all yes, works yes exactly where in europe you would probably just freak out and <laughs> yes. i don't know break or <laughs> crash whichever. even with traffic
1: really lights there's crashes in europe but so yeah so ooh, how, but just generally how, how do you feel about the, the, re- the direction in which we're going in terms of the this is your passion in terms of mobility electric mobility you know autonomous vehicles how how is marcus soaking this all up how, how are you taking this
0: well i'm uh, seeing this as a as a kid you know uh, seeing his toy in a toy shop of course <laughs> that he wants for christmas i see this as a great opportunity and i think in the future we won't be owning cars but we're having more car sharing or sharing mm-hmm. time so time share of a car or uh, some other forms of uh, transportation uh, that that you you want to have for that situation. We already see that today with the electric scooters, right? The different uh, Voy or Bolt or whatever they're called, which or even Uber, which you can get in Zurich or ever wherever in London or Paris, and and just have the last mile on an electric uh, scooter. So I think something similar will be happening with our cars for recreational purposes, or that that you, for example, just have a subscription to to volvo to porsche which already exists today where you just rent the car for a certain time period and then when you have to go on holiday maybe you have a bigger car or if you go to work you have a smaller car so that you have much more flexible um ownership of cars that we see today and also this will bring down the cro- uh, the costs um as many uh, already do that today we actually just you rent your car um mm-hmm. like car evolution in switzerland for example or other providers where you just rent your cars for a certain period of months or uh, days or or years and not actually owning the car and in that subscription it's all inclusive so all the tires all the taxes all the um, servicing and everything is already included and which gives you some more freedom to be able to allocate your own capital in in the way that you find fit.
1: So so there's freedom a lot more freedom for the the end consumers of um, these vehicles isn't it?
0: True, yes.
1: Yes. Marcus Bugegaard. Uh, a very informative conversation indeed today. Many thanks for your time and insights.
0: Thank you, Elaine, for this opportunity.
1: Thanks for joining me today on this episode of Heads Talk. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via my website, ElainePinkle.com forward slash Headstalk, wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, I'd like to thank our sponsors, guests and you for helping to make the show possible. Please join me next time where I'll be featuring more executives, C-suite leaders and heads of international.
0: Heads Talk podcast with your host, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter.